Third hour, Darren Donick and Chase on this Monday afternoon. We had East this time every Monday. We check in with Vince Ferrara, the sports animal, WNML in Knoxville, at Vince Sports on Twitter. Jay Gruden has been shown the door in Washington. Bill Callahan will take over as the interim. Vinny, how you doing? I'm good. I hope you guys are. My Jay, my story about me selling uh, tennis shoes to Jay Gruden at a sporting goods store in Tampa, I guess, doesn't have the same luster today as it maybe once did. <laughs> hmm. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, when he, you know, his Reno Football League mm-hmm. uh, quarterback and and then and then coach, he was at the Tampa Bay Storm and moved on to Orlando. So, yeah, he was uh, kind of a big deal in the mid-state and obviously famous bro. But uh, but yeah, one back in the day. Look at you, good story to start off. Uh, the announcement has been made. Uh, Tennessee will travel down to Tuscaloosa on October 19th and take on the Tide at 8 p.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff on ESPN. Wow. The Vols have dropped 12 straight to Bama. Make it 13 here in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've seen that just coming back from the from the uh, post game, but man, um, yeah, that's uh, look. I guess Nick Saban. Didn't, doesn't like the noon kickoffs, so or I guess 11 a.m. Central time for them, so they gave them anything but that. Uh, yeah, anything but that. All right, let's start with the news that happened during the week. So let's get your – because we haven't talked to you since all this went down. Jeremy Banks is no longer on the team. But let's just start with the video that surfaced. Obviously, you guys were all over it. Um just your initial thoughts on Jeremy Pruitt, how he handled it, Jeremy Banks and the arrest. Let's start there, and then we'll go to where we are today. Well, first with with Banks, just bizarre, unacceptable. Um, you know, there, there's people in the recruiting process that that defended Jeremy Banks and said he was a good kid, but just had been you know, steered in the wrong direction and and made some mistakes. And so, you know, I think this coaching staff knew that he was going to need some, some molding and maturing, maturing, things like that. But man, that what was on that video was a terrible look. And, um, you know, it looked like it was going to the path of, you know, them not just kicking him immediately to, you know, to the curb and off the team and trying to get him to overcome this, but sort of on a last straw type of, of plan. Um, and then apparently more information came out with, uh, you know, with another incident prior to that, and that was too much to overcome. Now, uh, so whose who's call was it? You know, was it, was it all Pruitt after, you know, laying, laying out that, hey, you needed to be straight and narrow, or... Um, was it someone from above that said, no, this is unacceptable. You got to do something about this. So, uh, I think that's unclear at the moment. Now, as far as Jeremy Pruitt, I wasn't crazy about the kind of his tone with the, the officer. Um, you know, I thought they were watching it. I thought they were trying to help the kid out and they were very patient with him and took a lot verbally from him 
considering you know what uh, you know who he, who he is, and it just didn't. I, I I didn't think they gave him preferential treatment, but I think they were very patient with him. Um, and you know, I I just kind of thought that that the, and I'm guessing probably the you know the police community. I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing they probably didn't care for that kind of portrayal of hey, this is I've worked you know four places, and this is the you know the silliest of the the situation that we've had, and um, and then kind of at the end uh, go do your civic duty. And I just had a tone of you know thanks for for not helping my football player out. Maybe he didn't mean it that way. I think it it, it came across that way. So that you know that wasn't a great look, um, but you know there he ended up uh, after finding out more. I think doing what you know a lot of people want him to do in the first place, and that's remove Banks from the team. Um, it's just it's bizarre, but man, there's just there ended up being too much there for him to to keep him on, even though you don't want to just immediately kick a kid like that off. Because you knew going in that he was going to be some work, but um, you know, just very unfortunate. Not a, not a good look. Since when do people get arrested when they have warrants? That's just—I didn't know when did that start happening. Right, and it was explained multiple times. You know, I know he's groggy middle of the night. Right, it's you three know, o'clock in the morning. We get it. But right, he's got, yeah. a, got a warrant, Coach. I mean, hello. That's kind of how it works. Yep. Got a warrant. Yeah, and here's the other part. And you know how this works, Vince. When when you're winning at a high clip, uh, you know things like this tend to to come and go. But when you're not, it's, it's got to be handled differently, right? When you're under a lot of heat and pressure, and that's usually how it works. And I wasn't surprised at all because if they were undefeated and they're coming off a ten win season last year, my guess is we're not talking about any of this today. This is not even a story. But when you're not and things are not great, it's it it all has to be handled differently. That's just that's just my two cents. Well, so, I think um, I, I you know if if he had a warrant and the same scenario happens, you know, made an illegal U-turn or parking or I forget what, exactly what the reason was, but if he ends up getting getting to that point, he's going to get arrested regardless of what his record is. So that that's that part of it I don't I don't think necessarily changes. I think the the reaction to it and the criticism is what would have changed and maybe maybe Jeremy Pruitt if he's in a better spot isn't uh it doesn't talk the same way or doesn't react the same way or you know just takes a hey you handle it we'll deal with it because you know things are going well. I don't know. Uh but um you know, it, it's one of those things that gets, it happens, not a great look, you keep moving because it's about winning football games, but it gets stashed. And then when a case starts to be made against you, it, it ends up adding to the pylon. And you don't want to build too, you know, too deep of a log of those kind of things. And we saw it during Butch Jones, points of criticism, mad, we move on, but not forgotten. You know, kind of like in, I guess, in, in marriages to some extent, or relationships. You know, you don't forget things. You just bring them back up when it's time to make a case against you. And I, I think that that's where this falls. What about Jake Fromm going a little savage after the game down underneath? Did you see how he ended his little chat with the media? 
Have you no. seen that video? No, I did not. Have you guys, you seen it, Chase? I have not. Oh. Well, uh, I'll send it to you during the break. Going, going savage. Singing the... Like Sing. Randy Savage or no, not Randy Savage. Oh, okay. Going going Rocky Top, oh. heading into the locker room, oh. and we gave a little woo on the way in. Ooh, yeah, good Surprising old Rocky Top. Yeah, he did well, that on the look, way in. You win by twenty nine. I guess you can do that. His play is savage. I mean, that kid oh. is so good. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really makes you. It it, it shows the separation between the quarterback play that teams that don't win don't get and the elite programs. I mean, it's he's kid special. All right. What did you make of the decision to go with a different quarterback, a different look under center? What did you make of it? You know, I thought going into the week, I, I, I had been saying that, hey, your best chance to win would be with Garantano because the other guys – hadn't shown that they were ready. We didn't know if they were ready. They didn't have any experience. But going into the open week and after seeing what we saw at Florida and that continuing to just go the wrong direction, I thought with the open week and because they needed to switch things up, see if they can get a new energy, give somebody else an opportunity, I thought it was the right decision. I, I said that last week a number of times that I thought it was time for them to give Brian Maurer an opportunity. You know, Maurer has separated from J.T. Shroud. I think his ability to uh, to escape, pass rush, and run the football some, uh, and sort of his energy and his, his moxie, I think, separated him from J.T. Shroud, who's a year older as a redshirt freshman. And obviously he got the playing time in the Florida game also. So I think over over the open week during those two weeks they they event they started out splitting the reps and eventually I think they went to they did go to a game plan for Maurer which was different. We admitted today that it was different than the game plan for a, a Jerry Garantano. I thought it was the right move and he especially in that first half was terrific. And he wasn't perfect. He missed on the first couple of throws, and then there was times where he was a little errant. But, man, he got rid of the football. He was decisive, and he showed he has arm talent, and he wasn't afraid of the moment. It wasn't too big for him. He he made some mistakes, for sure. Pruitt was talking about, you know, sometimes he was reading the wrong uh, you know, half of the field and things like that, which, of course, tells me, he had a limited uh, reads to it to where he didn't have full progressions. They gave him half field reads, and sometimes you would just go to the wrong side. So that tells me they sort of they made it a little bit easier for him. Now, I don't know that they've necessarily done that for Garantano. So does that mean that Garantano had to make make the most of? full progressions and all reads that they simplified things for him, but they did for Maurer. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they ever got to the stage of simplifying things and taking some of the responsibility away from Garantano like they did for Maurer. But Maurer was really good. He made it, you know, he, after receivers weren't open in the second half, he was holding on to the ball a little bit longer, but the ball came out of his hands quick. He was decisive and poised and didn't stare down receivers. I, I thought I thought he clearly impacted his teammates, and that's something that unfortunately Jerry Garantano has not done. He's been more reactionary as opposed to Maurer 
kind of trying to take control of that team. Uh, I think he gave him great juice. Uh, so I, I definitely think it was the right decision. All right, Max, turn this up. I want to see if you can hear this. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna attempt to play this, Vince. So well, I think I think Max may have it. You got it. Okay, maybe Max has it. This will be better. So this is right as he's done. Okay, here we go. That was Jake Fromm <laughs> answering the last question, and then walking into. He said, "Thanks, guys," and then walking into the locker room. Wow. Yeah. How about that savage move, huh? Yeah, I mean, you're you're Georgia. Do you really, you know, do you really get great uh, joy out of? You know, pouncing on Tennessee. Maybe you know. Look, I get it. Wins are hard to come by. Come by. You're a college student. They're all fun. And I guess he was just having some fun. I, I, you know, it's. It, uh, I'm surprised he did it, but it's not the end of the world. Doesn't bother me one bit. I don't care. Yeah, doesn't bother me at all. You well, won. They won the game. Well, that's great. You're not a Tennessee fan, so no, you I'm don't, not. You but don't buy season tickets, so but it shouldn't bother anybody. You you, you lost by 29. So, okay, just deal with it. All right, we will come back. Just deal with it, as Chase says. <laughs> just deal with it. Look, this they're say, they're saying we've dealt with a lot. Yeah, I was already. just saying. Right, we're like that, like that's a real comfort after the last decade. Just deal with it. Oh, oh, okay. Now that you put it that away, one and four. All right, we'll come back more with Vince Ferrara, the sports animal, on the other side. Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN one hundred two five. The game. We're back. Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game. Darren McFarland, that's him. Chase McCabe, that's me. Talking with Vince Ferrara, WNML in Knoxville, the sports animal, as the Vols coming off the, the big loss to Georgia. But I do want to start, Vince, with... Um, Is this in lieu of their next game, Max? Yeah, Mississippi Queen. That's Look good. You. That's Look good. You. That's good stuff back there. Starkville coming to town. We will talk about Mississippi State in just a few minutes. But I look at the start of this game, and and I'm not trying to believe in moral victories and and things like that. But at least because Mike Tomlin doesn't believe in them. He does not. He does not believe in moral victories. But for a quarter and a half, it's like, okay, hey, they they were fired up. You had a new quarterback. They've had the lead. I mean, is there anything that you took away from that that are like, okay, hey, that's what we need to see. Well, the fact that it was better than anything we had seen the first four games, then yes, I don't think you can just fully gloss over that. They showed life. That, right. <laughs> and, and look, the way I summarize that game is it was better, but they were mismatched by an elite team. And the difference in that than what we had seen or the expectations going in is the better part. Because – them being better was better than what a lot of us expected or had seen before. So that's not nothing, and that's against a good team. It doesn't guarantee anything moving forward, but it's still it's a sign of life. It's a sign, especially for the fans, that now with a new quarterback that they can, they can do some things. It also makes them a little mad. We've already heard well, we would have been three, at least three and one with Maurer at quarterback because of the Georgia State and BYU close losses. So there's that anger part of it, but at least they 
feel like for for a lot of fans that they can move forward now with a new quarterback, build off of this, and be optimistic and have something to sink their teeth into. Whereas after that Florida game, what did you have to sink your teeth into in terms of buying into this team with any kind of realism more than just uh, fandom? You didn't. There, there was right. nothing. So now that they've made that move at quarterback, even though – uh, Pruitt hasn't committed to it fully yet. I guess we'll talk about that. But I, I think it, there it is significant. It can't just be glossed over that they made plays against an elite team. Elite team made adjustments. Tennessee has been terrible in second halves of games. You know, depth, talent, all those kind of things is where you're you're going to lose second halves, and that's the the reality of where they're at. But it still was better than anything they had put out there the first four weeks and. It starts with the quarterback. So why isn't he making a, a long-term commitment? I mean, listen, Garantano has been here. I get all that, and I understand there's a little bit of loyalty. But if Ma- if Mara is the guy, and he and you think that your team's going to play better, then why is he not making that commitment? Well, I think it's always really delicate with quarterbacks, right? I mean, we've quarterbacks are willing to pick up and leave at any point. Um, and, and I'm not saying that Jarrett would, but it's always something that you have to manage those personalities. Um, so that is, is one factor. Two, Brian Maurer's a true freshman. I don't know that Pruitt wants to take the edge off of him as a competitor and just give him that gig as a true freshman, and you don't know how he's going to handle that. Now, fans will be – they will absolutely – lose it if he's not the quarterback on Saturday uh, but I, I, I still think he wants to continue to keep him on edge, keep him working, trying to get better and not just hand it to him. Now I'll, I'll give Pruitt credit he, he said he'd have to have a bad week of practice not to be right. He said we'll see how it goes. So he's basically telling Brian Maurer, as long as you don't act like you're the big man on campus and you've arrived this week, you're going to get to start. But I'm not really ready to do that. Remember last year, he really didn't commit to Garantano for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> His starting quarterback, he wanted to keep the, the week-to-week practice competition. So I think that's all he's doing there. What's up with the run game? It still, still continues to be an issue, and they have talent. I mean, we've seen flashes, but... I mean, it's just not enough right now, especially when you have a true freshman quarterback or you have a struggling quarterback in Garantano. I just feel like they got to get more out of them. Well, here's here's something that's eye-opening to your question, Chase. I'm just looking and comparing the team stats of Mississippi State and Tennessee. Mississippi State's part-time quarterback, Garrett Schrader, has eight less yards rushing than Tennessee's leading rusher, Ty Chandler. Whew. And he, he doesn't even play all the time. He splits time at quarterback, yet he has more yards and more yards per game and more uh, yards per average, 6.8 to Chandler's 5.4. He has just as many rushing touchdowns as Chandler and averages 78 yards per game versus Chandler's 64. 
I, I don't know. Um, I think they were in a groove in the passing game, so I think they went to that a little bit more. Pruitt mentioned that there were times where there were run opportunities that Maurer should have run and threw the ball in some RPO situations. That's maybe Maurer just feeling good. And look, you know, a lot of those worked out in the first half, but there could have been more runs. And then the big thing is, as a second half, when you're behind, then you got to throw more. And that, that takes away opportunities. But they just are not good enough yet. They've gotten better on the offensive line, pass blocking, and but still, it's it's not there yet. And I, they're part of the problem too against that opponent is they're better running outside than they are between the tackles. And against a team like a Georgia or a Florida with an elite defense, it's hard to get on the perimeter against them. So I think they kind of knew that, so didn't you know? Times maybe didn't even bother. What did you make of? Uh, I know it was brought up in his press conference that there were a couple of players that got into it on the sideline. He said he didn't see it, but that he he got told about it, was fired up. He likes that there was some passion around there. That there were guys getting after each other. What what was your takeaway of that? Yeah, I that's kind of the what I expected him to say, and I bet there's plenty of fans. In fact, I heard from someone. I was well, headed down to to the field after. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter that said, good, we need more of that. And that was basically proven. And that goes back to kind of the, the way I view this team. And one of my concerns still moving forward is that I, I don't know that they have enough guys that take losing as unacceptable and are absolutely peed off about it. And that you just don't – I think some of these guys, we talked to some of them in the post game. I think they're almost, there's a little bit of a numbness to it. I think some of those looked at it as, hey, we played good against a, you know, a top team. We'll, we'll keep working and get better. And they weren't mad about it. And, and to Pruitt's credit, at least he said, look, I don't think we should get, we should get any sort of – we should get patted on the back just for playing hard. That's not – the standard here. So I give him credit for saying that because there, there are, there's a portion of the fan base that feels that way. They're not taking anything positive out of this Georgia game. They don't want to hear it. They want to win games. Tennessee now has lost what, 22 straight against top five teams. There's some that just are not. There's, you lost the game, period. Time to beat someone you're not supposed to and show that you're, you're turning the corner. Um, so I, I, I think that's, that is, that's a credit for Pruitt to throwing that out there, but I don't think there's enough of those guys to where it, it's devastating to them. It's almost a little bit of a concern for me for Henry T, who I love, Toto. I don't think he had his best game, but he is such a nice kid. I just think he loves playing football. I just would hope that they can turn things around before this kid loses too much, and then it's not something that he's going to – be mad about and and just try to impact his his teammates. There's not enough guys that take it as unacceptable. Uh, it appears with that team, and that's I think a little bit of what Pruitt's alluding to there. What did you make of Phil Former's comments on vol calls last week about his uh, him possibly being on the sidelines? Yeah, I think I think it was right for him to address it because the, the, that rumors those rumors have been out there a lot, and as the more the losses mount, the more there's that talk. Now, 
it doesn't it doesn't in the end guarantee anything or mean anything change day to day much less week to week so there it doesn't i didn't i think it was good for him to address but it doesn't mean that that couldn't change and there's the whole hey kiss of death that you're uh you know you're giving your your support to to a coach i don't I don't know that I viewed it necessarily that way. He's tied to him. It's not like right, he hired yeah, he's in what do you right. want him to say? So yeah, he, he's of course he wants him to succeed. So if he's if he was a new AD and didn't hire Pruitt and he gave him a vote of confidence and you know he has natural ties to other coaches things like that then I would uh, you know I would look at it differently, but he he wants him to turn this thing around. Uh, so I, I was I was fine with that. I thought it was right, but again, it's nothing absolute in those comments. If we were to end with this, what do you think the percentages are that Jeremy Pruitt is back on the sidelines for a year three? What would you put that percentage at today? If I ask you that, I'd still say pretty high. I'm not going to say a hundred percent or ninety nine or anything like that. I still think it's very high. Look, if they don't win another game this year, that that's a different situation. You know, even if they win one more game, I think that could potentially be in play. Who knows what other off the field issues or mess pops up? Uh, you have to factor recruiting too. That's another issue that they have is if they don't win more games. They're not going to get the recruits they need to help turn this thing around. Now you're trying, you're bringing in Pruitt players, but they're not the Pruitt players that he most wants, and then it slows the – he's not going to see it out. So uh, – and they already have to make ground to make up now. So they got to find a way to win games. I think if they can if they can um, win some games, I think they'll, it'll be enough. It'd have to be a total disaster. I mean, one or two wins, I think, for them to make a change. So it, with that being said, I, I'd, I'd say probably 85%, something like that, that okay. he's, he's back. Wow. All right. Well, probably won't be the last time I ask you that. We'll see if that changes. <laughs> see if it changes <laughs> in about three weeks. Fluid situation, as we yeah, they, yeah, definitely. Look, if fluid. they if they win this weekend, that could definitely change some things. Because absolutely, they got to be somebody worth worthwhile and and win in conference because they're two and guys two and seventeen in their last nineteen SEC games. That is not good, Vince. Thanks for the visit. As always, you have a great week. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. You Thanks, too. Vinny. Vince Ferrara, WNML, the sports animal there in Knoxville, at Vince Sports on Twitter. Give him a follow. Good stuff, as always. He joins us every Monday at high noon. This is what I know coming up in about 10 minutes. I have a really good prize to give away. Tron Davenport in studio with us in the final hour. More of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next. Got a pair of tickets to see Thomas Red at Bridgestone Arena. Nice. This Saturday. That's what's on the line for Twick. This is what I know. This is what I know. The Astros lead the Rays 1-0 in the second inning. Stroh's leading that series two games to none. So they're in Tampa, and right now Houston has jumped out to the early 1-0 lead. Jay Gruden has been uh, sent packing in Washington as the Redskins head coach. You just heard it, UT and Alabama will kick off their October 19th tilt down in Tuscaloosa. It'll be an 8 o'clock Central kickoff on ESPN. Vanderbilt, Missouri, that'll be here on that same weekend, on that same Saturday. That'll be an SEC Network game, 
and they will kick off at 3 p.m. Vanderbilt and Missouri here over on West End. Mike Sullivan, the head coach of the Penguins, says that Malkin and Boogstad, how about that, are both out long-term with lower body injuries. Malkin and Boogstad. That's tough for them, especially uh, if any Malkin, who is uh, one of the top players for the Penguins and fighting injury. And he did say it doesn't look like it's season ending, but definitely long term. So I'm wondering what that means. Does uh, does Jimmy Rutherford pick up the phone or make, make some calls? Who knows? But that's a big player to lose for uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No doubt about it. Uh, Tron Davenport, TD in studio with us in the final hour of the program, college-wise, over the weekend. And I know a lot more I'll get into. We'll get into this more tomorrow with Mitch Light from Athlon Sports. But you look around, you had Florida with the big win at home. They're, they remain undefeated. So we can keep saying we don't trust them. I know. We don't think they look legit. But we'll also find out a little bit more this week about them. Oh, yeah. And you and I were sitting there at Barrel House Saturday night talking about them, and I'm like, I I still want to say they're not, like, the best. They're not great, but they're undefeated. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they find a way to win. They get the ultimate test this weekend in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Well, and I thought Auburn was really, really good. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think I saw 14. Is the line 14? I think that's what I saw. Let me see. I'll, I can look it up real quick, but um, you know, you got to give the edge for to uh, to LSU on that, even though Florida has been has been pretty good. So um, the line is thirteen and a half. Wow, LSU favorite. What is the Tennessee Mississippi State line in Knoxville? I'm going to say I have not seen any lines. Okay. That line is going to be around a field goal? A little higher. A little higher. Yeah, six and a half. Six Miss- and a half. Mississippi State favored by six and a half, according to wow. Vegas Insider. Man. Yeah. Vols a six and a half one underdog to a Mississippi State team. That's not exactly Dak Prescott and Dan Mullen. No. Care to take a guess on UNLV Vandy? Well, UNLV stinks. I'm going to say eight so, and a half. So pick them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You say eight and a half? Eight and a half Vandy favored. What were they over in Northern Illinois? Six and a half? Yeah, it's going to be higher because, like I said, UNLV stinks. Okay. Ten. Fourteen and a half. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, UNLV stinks. Opened at 17. According to Vegas Insider. Came down. Yes, sir. And how big of a favorite is Georgia over South Carolina? Was it 21? In Georgia. Athens, I want to say 20 and a half. Uh, Actually, it may be higher than that. 24 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It seems about right. And that's in that what it closed up for Tennessee. They were favored by 24 and a half. They were favored by 24 and a half in Knoxville. Yeah. yeah. So, seems about right. South Carolina. So that's favorite. what the what well, yeah, but that's what the odds makers think of South Carolina and Tennessee. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. Georgia was a 24 and a half point favorite in Knoxville. Georgia's a 24 and a half 
point favorite at home yeah. against South Carolina. Arkansas, Kentucky. Kentucky is seven point favorite at home. So, Missouri an eleven point favorite over Ole Miss. I think there's going to be some coaching changes. I think in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because we, you know, we were all down at SEC media days, and it was like, ah, hey, you know, Gus Malzahn, he's the only one that is remotely close to being on the hot seat, and I think that's changed quite a bit since then. I think he's safe. Because they've obviously been a lot better than people thought. And there's going to be some, you know, Will Muschamp, does he survive? What does that look like? I mean, obviously Jeremy Pruitt. Matt Luke at Ole Miss. Matt Luke. What does that look like? To be honest, Joe Moorhead safe. I I think so. I think so too. But, just saying. Um, Chad Morris. Chad Morris safe at Arkansas? That thing has looked yuck. got much better. Yuck. Looks the same as Bielema. And, you know, I think you've got to ask the question. I, I think Derek Mason's back, but what does that look like? Even after getting a contract extension. So, I think, not I think right it'll now. be a yeah, but. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. Right. Like, you're back, but you got to. Like, this year's going to, like, the next year will have to be. Right, because that would be year seven, seven mm-hmm. for him. Yep. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. This is what I know to close out the third hour. Good tickets on the line. Thomas Red at Bridgestone Arena this Saturday, but you're going to have to call in and participate. It's very simple. You just tell us what you know. 737-1025. Your phone call is next. Okay, this is where you participate. Boop, 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 boop. That's dialing 615-737-1025. That's what that sound effect was. That was you participating in This Is What I Know. Thomas Rhett tickets on the line. Bridgestone Arena this Saturday night. That'll be a good show. Boop, 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 boop. 615-737-1025. Chase, this is what I know. Last week here in the Mid-State was not a good week for high school football. It was not. There was some really, really, really weird stories over the last seven to ten days concerning high school football. We know the Glencliff story mm-hmm. and how the different turns, twists and turns that story took. Then you had a story in Williamson County with a Ravenwood staff. Yeah. Matt Williams, the head coach there, Ryan Fowler, an assistant, suspended for um – I guess they termed it inappropriate coaching. Former Titan. Yep. Ryan Fowler. Inappropriate coaching practices at practice or something is is what it was termed as. But, yeah, it was very weird. A weird week for sure with Glencliff shutting down football and then they weren't and then, you know, going around and around and around. So, yeah, that's a good one. And they got a lot of injured players. And mm-hmm. What they have at the time they announced they were shutting down for the season, that's 17 players? Yeah, something like and that. And then – then all of a sudden they're back, and kids are back. It's just a weird, weird, weird seven to ten days of high school football stories. Weird and not a good way. Yeah, and and the whole Ravenwood thing is just like, what are you doing? Like, really? Like, just, just you know, I understand coaches are going to be involved in practice and and things like that. You just have to be careful. I mean, you have to. There's certain certain lines you can't cross. So it was definitely a weird. Weird week. All right, what do you know? 
This is what I know. The NFL, once again, worried about things they don't need to worry about. They have fined injured Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger's Roethlisberger's Roethlisberger $5,000 Do you know why? Yes I do but you're going to tell everybody for a uniform violation well you may say Chase he's not playing he's He's not wearing a uniform. uniform he's standing on the sidelines because he wore his Apple watch on the sideline as the Steelers hosted the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. This was his first game back on the sideline after having surgery that puts him out for the rest of the season. According to the report from Adam Schefter of ESPN, Roethlisberger is said to be livid about the fine and will appeal it. Well, he should be livid because it's stupid. You're going to fine an injured player for standing on the sideline he wore his watch, his Apple watch, and don't come at me saying, Will Chase, the rules say that you can't wear electronic devices that send messaging. Okay. He's hurt. $5,000? Really? Maybe how about a note of, hey, hey, Ben, could you just not do that again? Or not worry about, you know, stuff like that on the sidelines unless but, it's something that is offensive or something that you can't. A right. real no-no. An Apple Watch, really? Maybe you should worry about your crappy officiating. Maybe you should look into that. Maybe. Maybe you should worry about the cart not working for the quarterback that got literally knocked out. They said it was. It's, it wasn't the cart. Oh well, it whatever. It wasn't the cart's fault. Yeah, maybe you should worry about that stuff instead of worrying about a five thousand dollar fine for wearing an Apple Watch. The guy who didn't. The guy who got knocked out said he didn't need it. Chase, mm. as he was looking around, going, "Am I at Oklahoma State? Go Cowboys! Go Cowboys!" All right, let's find out what you know. Loaded lines. I love it. 737-1025. Tell us what you know. Tony, get us started. What do you know? This is what I know, guys. I'm glad my wife remembered my birthday, Saturday, and as she gave me two great gifts. One is the book by Barry Goheen, Buzzer Beaters. Nice. And the second was a gift card for car wash which after this wonderful rain we've got i get to use that i'm thankful she remembered my birthday guys and that's what i know has she forgot it in the past tony no sir she has okay she's really good about it all right have you always remembered hers yes sir thanks all right (laughs) very good by the way we're we're gonna effort to get barry goheen on the show he does have a new book out buzzer peters as you just heard tony say all right. That leaves one line available, 737-1025. Let's go to, let's see, Tim has been waiting the longest. Tim, what do you know? Hey, guys, this is what I know. Uh, Vanderbilt's defense has given up on their yards per play. We rank 129th at 130th. I sure am glad our head coach is a defensive guru because we would probably be 130th if he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. This is what I know. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Um, it has been... Hard to explain that one. Why they have had so many struggles on defense and tackling over the years. Whenever that was the one, you know, that's what we all knew. That's what Derek Mason, right? He mm-hmm. has had on shutting down that Oregon offense, Pac-12 offense. Yeah, hasn't hasn't quite worked. This is what I know. The Tampa Bay Rays have taken a three-one lead over the Astros with a three-run jack 
in the bottom of the second inning. Who was it? Kevin, is it Kymier? How do you say I don't know how you say his last name, but that guy. That well, guy thank right you. There. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Right that <laughs> guy right there. Let's go to Justin. Justin, what do you know? This is what I know, guys. Mother Nature in Nashville is upset, as upset with the Titans as much as I am. She decided to come out two days later after Saturday and go down 40 degrees and cry all day today. Yeah. Nothing but rain. We're all going to get sick. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Whoa, 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 whoa. Thanks, whoa, whoa, guys. Whoa, whoa. Really? Are we going to complain about the, the temp drop in the rain after it's October and we've been in the 90s, the high 90s? I think he was making a point about Mother Nature. Just saying. You know, we haven't seen rain or oh. we've seen 100 degrees and no rain for it feels like months. And then the Titans lose, lose and, to the Bills. Yeah. And okay. That's all. He's just trying to make a point. Still, I'm glad. I opened the windows. I'm not sure he was complaining. I think he was just saying. Yeah. Okay. Barrett, down the borough. Barrett, what do you know? Hey, I know that the card in Pittsburgh that didn't work was operator error. It was fully functional, but the person attempting to operate it just didn't know how. You know that how? Uh, All the steel. I'm an insider, man. I got people. Okay. Listen, you know. know I just want to know if that was sourced or not. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's, It's solid. It was okay. pilot error. Barrett uh, is our Steeler post- insider. If you say that it's was sourced, the then I, we believe you. It's in the Post Gazette. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you'd have to tell us that. You, we just would have gone on your sources. Uh, but this is what I know, man. My Steelers cannot catch a break at all. Did you see that filthy, disgusting, dirty, nasty hit right to the guy's face? And, and the Baltimore defender says, "Oh, well, I wasn't trying to go high. Five ten, and Rudolph is six five. Okay, so he had to launch off his feet. He was launching and right at his jaw. And the poor kid was out before he hit the ground. It was, it was horrible. Was scary. And then the guy whose name I don't even know comes in, and, and that kid's looking good. And he's taking him down the field to send it to overtime. And then he hits Juju across the middle to put him damn near, could have been a touchdown, and he just fumbles. So we just cannot catch a break. I've been in every one of these games, except New England, of course. But um, one and four is a bad look, and and it hurts. But oh well, you guys have a great day. Hey Barrett, I've got sources too. You know what they tell me? What's that? Today's your birthday, so happy birthday! Thank happy you, birthday. very kindly. So, yeah, I got good sources listen, too. You're not the only person with sources. Working hard and listening to the show as always. Keep up the great work, Joe. All right, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday, Devlin Hodges is the quarterback sure. he was referring yeah. to. The Doc out of Samford. Let's go to Curtis. Curtis, what do you know? You know, this is what I know. I hate it when fans blame the refs for losses. But with that being said, this year's officiating has been awful on so many games. And in New Orleans on Sunday, it was just dreadful. And it didn't cost us the game necessarily. But I don't know if the NFL is just trying to make up for how many times they cheated the Saints in the NFC Championship game in the beginning of the season. But it is just awful. It's like none of the refs. It's like they got them from college, didn't tell them any of the rules in the NFL, and just said, go go throw flags this year. It has just been awful. Thank you, guys, for letting me get that off my chest. Thank you, Curtis. Hope you feel better. Um, Jason Garrett is usually pretty mild-mannered and pretty stoic on the sidelines. Even he got an unsportsmanlike conduct yesterday for his actions. The the Packers-Cowboys game was poorly officiated. It was bad. Let's go to Doug. Doug, what do you know? This is what I know. You can blame Mariota for many losses. 
Yesterday's game was blamed on the two Ks and part of the spelling, kicking and coaching. How do you put a kicker out there, not to miss one, not two, not three, but four chances? Not Mario mm-hmm. this time, kicking and coaching. That's Doug, that's you're right. Ball. There you go, the that's two Ks. Thank you, Doug. Kicking and coaching. Can't disagree with him on that. Can't blame this one on number eight. Finally, Gator Tim. Tim, what do you know? As this is what I know. Uh, that that loss is clearly on Mike Vrabel for six weeks in the preseason when um, Suckup was hurt. We laughed at him about using a backup punter for kicking duties, and he poo-pooed it like it was no big deal. Then he uh, gets a guy on a Tuesday tryout, uh, watches him kick for 45 minutes, signs him, and this guy's been kicking all year. And if he would have taken a little more seriously, got four or five kickers in here for the preseason so he could see what their mental makeup is, they uh, they probably could have hit three of those four field goals yesterday and actually won the game. Mm. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. You got it. All right, we will give a, a winner. It's kind of on John Robinson, though. He signs the players. So. I think both of them could probably share some blame in that. We'll come back final hour with, speaking of that, Tron Davenport talking with TD coming up in about three minutes. Stay tuned right here on Darren, Donnie, and Chase, ESPN 1025, The Game.